0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So again, as we've been learning about in the great tribulation that is to come, and maybe sooner than we expected, it's, it's kind of like you're watching the news these days. It's like you're reading Revelation uh, on the TV or, you know, on Twitter or where, wherever you get your news sources. And it's, it's um, what's the curse? May you live in interesting times. And things are getting rather interesting, that is for sure. But And so that's, you know, even more important for us during these interesting times that we get close to God. Because um, if more tribulation is coming, if more persecution is coming for the church, and we're seeing some of that, We need to be close to God. We need to be close to God anyway. I mean, that's just the whole point of uh, Ecclesiastes. You know, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and what was his conclusion that, you know, everything is basically nonsense except following God's word and his precepts. Um, But So that's always really the right answer. But especially during these times, we need to be close to God so that he can guide us. Um, if and when things get dangerous or more dangerous or just more interesting. So, you know, that's one of the things that we've been talking about on Wednesday night and something that I want to talk about now, you know, as, as we're learning more about the great tribulation that's coming and is talked about in God's Word. Um, you know, it's, we're talking about one of the benefits that we have, since we're not going to be here, is that fire insurance. So we want to make sure that we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. And as a gift, we receive his righteousness. We receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit. And so we will have that same resurrection power inside of us that rose Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead. uh, It's also going to raise us from the dead. So that is awesome. And so when you're saved, what are you saved from? God's wrath that is soon coming. So whenever someone says, I'm saved, that's, you need to know what you're saved from. You're saved from God's wrath that is soon coming, because Jesus is coming back to judge the nations, but not his people, not the righteous, because God always gets the righteous out before he pours out his wrath. For example, God got Lot out of Sodom before he rained fire and brimstone down on that place. And not just Lot, but his family. Now his wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Not the best, but um, God did get Lot and his family out beforehand. And Abraham, so here we have the Lord and a couple angels are traveling to Sodom and Gomorrah getting ready to check out the reports of how evil it is. And Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they're camping out. And so they stop and for a bite to eat. And in Genesis eighteen twenty three through 26, it says, And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the, within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you." Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And so here's Abraham negotiating with God, you know, for the lives in Sodom. But Abraham was solid in his relationship with God. He knew the character of God. He knew that God was not going to destroy the the righteous with the the wicked. And so Abraham continued to negotiate with the Lord, and he got him down to 10. Uh, And then as we find out later, there was really only one, and he got Lot out with his family. So even then, you know, God did what was right. And Abraham knew God's nature, so he knew that God would not destroy the righteous with the wicked. So let me ask you this. Do we know God's nature like that? I remember when Hurricane Katrina was forming in the Gulf, and there was so much talk, oh, God's going to judge New Orleans. You know, they've got a gay parade coming up, and so God's sending Hurricane Katrina to judge New Orleans, and I've had some interesting discussions with fellow believers about that back, you know, a few years ago when Hurricane, when was that, 2005? Something like that. And so... My question for them then was, do you think there are 10 righteous people in New Orleans? Do you think there are 10 righteous churches in New Orleans? Do we know the character of God? Do we understand that God's not going to pour out his wrath um, on the righteous with the wicked? Now, yes, we do have judgment in this life, in this world. God's put us in a cause and effect universe. And certainly... He lays before us blessings and curses, and we can choose blessings and curses. And if we choose curses, there's going to be consequences for those curses. You can ask David, a man after God's own heart, about that. So I'm not saying that there, that we should sin or that God's not judging. He does. But he does not pour out his wrath on the righteous when he's, doing, when he's pouring out his wrath on the wicked. He just does not do that. In fact, in Job, who brought the whirlwind that killed his family and destroyed his property. That was Satan. Satan was before the throne of God accusing Job. He said, look at Job. You know, you've blessed him so much, you have a hedge of protection around him. If you take away that hedge of protection from him, and you let me take away all his stuff and kill his family, he's going to curse you. And of course, Job did not um, although his friends encouraged him to do that, and so did his wife. <laughs> and in the end, Job's pray, Job prays for them as well. And um, But no, it's Satan. It's our enemy. It's the evil one. He's the one who brings the hurricanes, the twisters, the earthquakes. Um, it's God who brings the rainbow after the storm. His promise to himself that he's not going to pour out his wrath in a worldwide flood for us in that particular example. So it's all recorded here in the Bible. Oh, I brought my prop here in the Bible. Um, I, I like to do this. I just put this like a word up, right? And um, it, it's it's funny because it's become more of a prop these days because I do I do more. This is more my word up, <laughs> you know. Um, my gadgets and at home on my PC and whatnot. But I'm starting to use my Bible more, especially in discipleship. You know, so I'm getting back in the practice. Pastor Ben likes it when I underline stuff and take notes. Um, But I'm kind of a gadget guy, so I'm into that. But anyway, it's all recorded here in the Bible so that we can understand God's nature, so that we can read these stories, so that we can learn, so that we can understand. And so it's important that we are in the Bible so that we can learn these things, and so that we know God's grace, so we know God's nature. We know His loving kindness. We know His patience. We know that all of His promises are yes and amen through His Son, Christ Jesus. All of those things. God is love. He is good. Um, But He's also righteous. And so He had to come up with this plan. You know, He's a righteous judge. He had to judge sin. But he figured out a way, because, you know, God's really smart. Um, He figured out a way, you know, I can judge sin and have a relationship with these people that I've created that I love so much. And he worked all that out. It's it's mind-blowing. So thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us so that we can love God and we can love people. It's all about relationships. And for revealing the Father to us, that's what Jesus did. So back to our stories for being saved from God's wrath. Let's talk about Noah and his family. God destroyed mankind in a worldwide flood because hearts were so wicked and evil. Uh, But there was one righteous man left, and God used Noah to preserve mankind and also all kinds of animals and birds of the air in the ark. So in Genesis 6 5-8, 5-8, through eight. then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, that sounds bad, and then the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah Found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, skipping ahead to Genesis 7, 1 through 6. And I know those of you that are following along, I'm still learning how to pause and let people catch up, so I do apologize for that. Uh, Genesis 7, 1 through 6. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Here's God pouring out his wrath on all of mankind and getting the one righteous guy out and his family. You shall take with you seven... Now, check this out. I'll, I'll, this is a great, great sidetrack. You shall take with you seven of every clean animal, a male and his female, Two each of the animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven, each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. I'm approaching 60. <laughs> he was 10 times older than that. So, first of all, did you see that? remember Arco, the gas station Arco, and they gave away these arcs. and whenever you got a fill-up, you got an animal? Well, it was two giraffes, and two elephants, and two, it was, two. It was two, 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 two. right? We learned that in Sunday school. What does the Bible say? Seven. Did you know that? Uh, you probably knew that because you read God's Word, but you've got to read God's Word. You might be surprised by that. What? I always see two by two. It's seven by seven, except for the unclean animals than it was two by two. So anyway, I just wanted to, a little sidetrack there and kind of getting back to our topic tonight about God's Word and studying God's Word and knowing God's Word and what a blessing that is. That's kind of a fun blessing. Um, so then, um, the point here is the righteous once again. Noah was righteous before the Lord in his generation. God not only did not pour out his wrath on Noah, but he used him to save mankind As well as the animals and the birds of the earth, because God had a plan to bring Jesus into the earth. And so he had to preserve mankind. But so he had, you know, if he didn't bring in the flood, if he had awaited another generation, he wouldn't have had even one person to save. There would have been no righteous after Noah and his family. So he had to bring the flood at that time just so he could get Noah out and start, kind of start over so that he would have enough righteous people. For the lineage to bring Jesus into the earth. So, what about us? Jesus said to his disciples that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. Zoinks! Well, that sounds like a tall order since the Pharisees uh, prided themselves, they did pride themselves, as being righteous and holy. The good news is, is exactly that it's good news. Jesus died for our imperfections, our transgressions, our trespasses, and our iniquities on the cross. He took his righteousness and gave it to us as a gift. And so if our righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees, well, we have the righteousness of God as a gift. And so our righteousness actually does exceed those of the Pharisees, but not by what we've done but by what Jesus has done for us and by our just accepting that simple gift in faith. And so now we're righteous and we're saved. And we're saved from what? We're saved from God's wrath. And we're saved from God's uh, wrath that is soon coming. Fire insurance, which is a good thing. It's good to have fire insurance. If your house burns down, you can rebuild it. So it's good to have fire insurance. But God doesn't want us to stop there. That's where we start, right? One of my favorite places in the Bible, Bible, word up, is in John, uh, chapters 15 through 17. Jesus just had the Last Supper with his disciples. He washed their feet. He said, If you want to be greatest in the kingdom, you must be servant of all. And then he had some words to say to his friends, the disciples before he was betrayed and taken to the cross. So these are his basically his last words and instructions to the disciples. And so you think, think about your own life. You know, if you knew that uh, a cohort of Roman soldiers were coming to take you in two hours and you were hanging out with your best friends, you might have some of your most important things to tell them. In those two hours, you might want to get across some things that you hadn't said, that you wanted to make sure that you said during those two hours. And that's kind of how I look at that time with Jesus and his disciples. So it's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. And uh, so this section of John in particular is, I would say, of importance. Although, you know, all of John's pretty good. Just saying. So let's turn to John 15, 1 through 8. And this is kind of our main scripture tonight, but the, sort of the jumping part, jumping off part, on a, just a certain section of being plugged into the vine. So, John fifteen one through eight. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking, uh, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. And is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. Now, if you if you were paying attention during this, it's kind of a binary thing, right? Either you're when you accept Jesus, you're plugged into the vine. And if you're not, you're not plugged into the vine, and what happens? You're a branch that withers and dries, and you are thrown into the fire because you don't have your fire insurance. But if you are in Jesus, you are abiding in Him. You are and He in you, and you are abiding in the vine, and you start to bear fruit. Um, And as you abide... Then you bear more fruit and much fruit. And what does that do? It glorifies God. So that's what we're going to talk about here. So, first of all, abide. Um, I was going to bring a clip from the Big Lebowski, I can't, whatever that's called, the Big Lebowski. I don't know, anyone seen that movie? Something about I cannot abide with that or whatever that famous saying is that he says. Anyway, um, so but Jesus talks about abiding in that section of scripture a lot. So, what does abide mean? Um, So I went to my DuckDuckGo on my computer and did a little search for the meaning of abide. And basically, to remain, continue, stay, pretty straightforward. In the Greek, it's even better. It's the word meno. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, And that means not to depart, not to leave, to continue to be present and then Strong's Concordance really did it for me here. Uh, as Strong's Concordance elaborated on that, and this is my favorite right here, unbroken fellowship. So one way you can look at abide, certainly I am now from now on after doing the study, abide in Jesus' unbroken fellowship. That's what brings the fruit and much fruit. And when you bring much fruit, you glorify God, which we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. So that sounds important. I want to bear much fruit. I want to glorify God. I want to be a disciple, which is what we're talking about on Sunday mornings with Pastor Ben in his series, Follow Me in Matthew. So I want to be a disciple. How do I maintain unbroken fellowship? One very important way I want to highlight tonight is read your Bible. Read it a lot. Know it well. Uh, Let's start in John. Well, let's start. We've already started, I think. That was the introduction, though. Uh, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing that was made, nothing was made that was made. Jesus is God's spoken word. God spoke all of reality into existence, and when God speaks, Jesus. You want to abide with Jesus? Read God's Word, because Jesus is God's spoken Word. There's two places in the Bible Bible, where God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit are all present at the same time. One of them is at the very beginning in Genesis. The Holy Spirit is hovering above the waters. God speaks, so God the Father speaks, Jesus, and starts to create. So the three of them are all together at the very beginning. And then the other place is when John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus. So God, Jesus, is there. And as he comes up out of the water, God the Father speaks. Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit, as a dove, uh, falls from heaven and alights on Jesus And God the Father speaks and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so the three of them are all together there as well. So those are the two places that all three are together. So Jesus is God's spoken word. This is God's written word. You want to abide in Jesus? Here you go. Um, So I talked about earlier during my introduction, during the announcements, that I used to work for Family Life Radio family life radio anyway um when i was there actually i started here as a volunteer and did the afternoon show for a while while i was still doing morning stuff on tv but i I accepted a full time job and they moved me to odessa texas or as i like to call it odessa lit I'm i'm not the first person to say that it's like what are you in for mike well about two years um so, I did a couple of years in Odessa. It was a blessing, honestly. And used to do the morning show on the uh, Family Life radio station there. And so we would have guests on. People would come through town and ask to be on. This guy gives us calls. His name's Tom Letting of Tom Letting Ministries. And maybe you haven't heard of it. He's since passed. I went, to, uh, I went and looked for him a couple of years ago, and his website's still up, but he has passed. But he was a great guy. He, he came on a couple of times, and he taught me something very valuable that I hold on to today and is one of the inspirations for tonight's message. Tom came on the air and he says, you know what, Mike? He said, if you read God's word and if you get to know God's word, he will bless you. He can't, he can't not bless you. You have his word on it and, and you will be blessed. And so he had a reading plan uh, that I started back then that I have not been faithful to follow all this time, off and on, in spurts, like we all do. And that's one of my challenges tonight, that we would get back to our reading plans. But his, his plan was brilliant, and I loved it, and I did do it for a while, for a few years, which is, every morning, when you get up, first thing, two chapters in the Old Testament, two chapters in the New Testament, that day's Proverbs, so you know there's 31 Proverbs, one for each day of the month, and then five Psalms. I cut that down to three. I'm like, come on, dude. Have you read Psalm one nineteen? It's anyway. Um, but the thing is, so you, that'll get you through the Old Testament once a year, the New Testament twice a year, um, through Proverbs once a month, through the Psalms once a quarter. And I did that off and on for five years. Um, you know, so I've been through the Bible many times. Thank you, Tom Ladding. And Tom Letting Ministries. And it's been such a blessing to me because while I was doing that, you know, I had some really good teachers that I was listening to all the time. Um, And we have amazing teaching here with Pastor Ben. Um, I'm sure all of us here have other pastors that we like to listen to as well. So I was every time I was in my car, I had some good teaching on. And then every morning I'm reading, you know, two chapters in the Old Testament, two chapters in the New Testament etc. And it was just an amazing time of growth. So I definitely recommend that for you. And now I'm going to spend the rest of this time, most of it, proving Tom's point, um, that if you read God's word, and the more that you get to know God through his word, God can't help but bless you. Um, so let's jump into our next verse out of the Bible. Second Timothy 3.16 says this, And this next section, actually, we went over in discipleship class a couple weeks ago. So 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's word says about God's word that it is inspired by God. Um, approximately 40 authors of the Bible, depending on which search result you pick from DuckDuckGo, um, 35 to 40 authors of the Bible, but really one author, right? God himself, this is his word. And it says there, A thoroughly equipped for every good work. It doesn't say, well, you know, you might be ready for some stuff. No, it says thoroughly equipped for every good work. You think about any job that you do as a specialty, whatever it might be. I build websites sometimes. So, like, for me, my tool is usually, you know, i got to have a computer that runs, but WordPress, right? So I use WordPress. That's my tool to make a decent website for somebody. Um, Well, God's Word will thoroughly equip you uh, not to build websites, but for every good work. And we all want that. So, you know... That's important. Now Hebrews four twelve, also a very powerful scripture. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two edged sword, sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. God's word is alive and as i as as I prayed early and I love to pray about God's word, is it's not going to return to him void. It's going to accomplish what God has intended for that word. And you know what is what does it mean that God's Word is piercing even to the division of soul and spirit? Well, let's talk a little bit about how we're made in God's image, right? God is three in one. God is God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit. Well, he made us in his image. We're also three in one. We're body, soul, and spirit. So when we were born into Adam, sorry, Adam. So when we were born into Adam and the sin nature, our spirit is dead, basically. We're born with a dead spirit. Uh, But when we're born again, our spirit is made alive and is sealed with God's spirit. So, we receive God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Our spirit is sealed with His Spirit, and we've received the mind of Christ inside of us. It's amazing. Now, our um, soul is outward a little bit more from that. Our soul is our mind, will, emotions, thoughts. That is our soul. So, you know, when when God talks about the heart, a lot of times, you know, that's the two parts of the heart. Um, But the spirit is the inner part. Then your soul is your mind, will, emotions, um, your quirky personality. I'm an ENFP. Anybody in Myers Briggs? No, I throw that out there way too much. Anyway, um, so you know that is amazing. Then, then is our body. May no hope for our bodies. <laughs> you know our bodies are perishing um even you know paul talks about in romans who's going to save me from this wretched body this this wretched man that i am and my body and the answer is jesus actually so you know as we get older obviously things start to break and you know we still have our stories from when we were in our teens and 20s and, but uh you know our, our minds think we can do it but as i found out a couple months ago your calf may not hold up so anyway um so there's a very deliberate analogy to body, soul, and spirit, and it's a picture of the temple. So, uh, in the temple, you have the outer courts, and that's where uh, the Gentiles can trod. You know, um, that's our body. You know, our bodies in the world, dealing with all the dirt and the mess, and you know things that we have to contend with. Then there's the um, inner court, and it's a place of prayer reflection um, for us that's our soul our mind spirit emotions and then there's the um, the Holy of Holies and the Holy of Holies you know the priests had to be very careful entering the Holy of Holies and they better do it right or they're gonna get, be struck down because you can't be in the presence of God um, unless you're properly prepared that is our spirit and so that's you know where our spirit is sealed with God's spirit and so when God's Word, talks about it's alive and it 's powerful and it pierces and it divides between soul and spirit. this book, when you read it it's not just a, a book it 's not Winnie the Pooh or you know something like that it's alive and it can it can reveal to you the intents of your heart it can reveal to you the difference between what you're thinking and maybe what you should be thinking, or, you know, what God's standard, and maybe what your standard is, and maybe you need to adjust your standard to God's standard because of what the book says. And the Holy Spirit will use the word in your heart, you know, to make those adjustments. This is your mirror uh, of God, and then because it's alive, because it's powerful, it has the power to change you from the inside out. And it's that process of getting to know God. You can't be in God's presence and not be changed. This is his word. This will change you. And the more time you spend in it, the more blessed you'll be by that. I think Tom Letting was on to something. Let's go to Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Not just success, good success. I like that extra elaboration. Um, so again, meditation. What does the word say about medit? What does the world say about meditation? It bugs me because you hear this more and more. You know, I spent some time meditating and I'm so calm and you know it's so you do the ohm thing and the the world's the world's view of meditation is to empty your mind empty your thoughts and so yes you are becoming empty headed when you're meditating in that way what does god's word say about meditation meditate on god's word kind of like um a ruminant animal god's you know I I don't know if he made this example on purpose, but, you know, sheep do this, certainly cows do. You know, they have all these different stomachs. (coughs) And they chew on their cud. So we read God's Word, and we let it, we chew on it, we meditate on it, we think on it, we debate it in our minds. We, you know, and so that's what we should, if you do meditation, I guarantee you, if you meditate on God's Word, that's going to be a lot better than emptying your mind. The Bereans knew this principle. Um, you know, here comes Paul preaching Jesus as Messiah, and the Bereans are like, well, this is interesting new teaching, Paul. Does it stand up to God's word? So in Acts seventeen ten through 12, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away to, uh, by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Uh, Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks' prominent women as well as men. So the Bereans are the example for us today as well. You know, whenever Pastor Ben gets up here, whenever Pastor Soph gets up here, whenever I get up here, whenever Adam gets up here, whenever anybody gets up here and starts to bring God's word and is illuminating and teaching, we should be like the Bereans and check it against God's word. And it was a real blessing to them because they're like, okay, Paul's teaching Jesus as the Messiah. This is new to us. But... You know, we'll listen to them, and then we'll check the scriptures, and it does it check out? And yes, it did, and as a result of that, uh, they became believers, and uh, not just a few of the Greeks, but also prominent women and men as well, because, you know, Paul was preaching God's word. So good teaching is a gift to God's people for sure, for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry. And how do you know Good teaching. Because God did give us his word, and the more that we know God's word, then it's much easier to be discerning. You're not going to fall for some of these cults that have popped up throughout the decades or throughout the centuries even. You know, you're going to know the real thing when you study the real thing. You're going to know the counterfeit. And I'm sure you've all heard this illustration before. You know, people who are looking for counterfeits, they don't study... All the different variations of fake money, they study the real thing so that they know the real thing so well that when any fake comes along, they see it and they spot it right away. And so that's how we are and that's how we should be. Thank you, Bereans, for your example in the word of God. And so you know that Jesus came to reveal the Father and that he died so that we might have a relationship with God. That is all true. And God valued relationship with us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we can know him. Last week, Pastor Ben talked about the importance of knowing God. Matthew 7:21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God showed me this years ago. Um, I might have, must have been meditating on this or something. But I, I just had this realization. It's like, Lord, you and I talk all the time. Um, You know, I'm, when I'm in your word, you reveal things to me. Things jump out at me. You know, I complain to you way too much. Um, you know, you're close to me when, my, when I'm brokenhearted. Um, that relationship, it's a real relationship, like he's a real person because, hello, he is. Um, and so, you know, I know that I know God. And so then it it kind of hit me. It's like, well, why did God put this in his word? Uh, there must be people, um, and you know, people that go to church um, that don't really have that same kind of relationship with God. They don't really know God. That when when they get in front of the judgment seat, it's going to be the first time they've really had a conversation with God. And that really struck me. Um, maybe as an exhortation to anyone who can hear my voice, if you if you don't have that relationship with God, if you don't feel like You know, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to pick up with God my conversation where I left off on earth. If you don't really feel that way, um, I just urge you to, you know, get into his word, get into his presence, really spend that kind of time with him so that you can feel confident that that's really um, where you are because that's what he wants. That's why he sent his son. So, you know, not just for fire insurance, you know, that's... That's the beginning. Uh, The real intent is so that we can know him, um, so that he can change us to be like his son, so that we can know him, so that we can then take the love that he has for us and share it with the world. Love God, love people. And as we say here at Calvary Chapel, love God, love people, live radically. Um, One example, uh, this is crazy. It just kind of really surprised me. I was um, driving too fast in a really heavy rainstorm on Highway 82. I was going to see my kids. They lived in Van Alsteen at the time, just south of Sherman. So I used to take the trip from Lubbock to to Van Alsteen once a month to go see my son and daughter while they were still in school. And so I'm cruising down 82, going five over like I always do, and it is pouring rain. Um I'm trying to remember the town that I was near. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I came around the corner, and I just, it was almost audible. It wasn't, but I just heard it and almost felt it. Slow down. It was like, it it wasn't stern, but it was firm. Slow down, (laughs) like, okay, So I slowed down to the speed limit. But I did slow down some. And then it wasn't two minutes later, a truck that was ahead of me about half a mile. Uh, hydroplaned, spun out, crossed the center line, sideswiped a semi, got spun around. The guy got thrown out of the pickup. It was on all fours in the middle of the highway, and it was like the parting of the Red Sea. No one hit him, but they all hit each other. And uh, it was just amazing. And then you know, of course, I parked and ran across and helped some people out of their truck that smelled like gas, and all of, it worked out fine. There was he was the one who was hurt the most, and he was going to be okay. Um, but to hear God's voice slow down <laughs> just before that happened just still amazes me. And so He's a God who that relationship is important to Him. Now that's an extreme example, right? Really, it's the everyday stuff that matters the most. Really, it's when you're brokenhearted where God's promise is that he's close to the brokenhearted, that's when we really need him the most, and his promises are true in that. And so, you know, we can cry out to him. We can He can love on us, and and we can pray for each other, and we do. And so when he says here, you know, um, when he declares to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Um, again, I would just urge everyone just, just to you know, foster that relationship with God. Because the more you do that, the more that, more of Him that you have to share. Um, so God's Word and relationship with Him keeps us from sin as well. So, you know, He wants us to run to Him when we're tempted. He wants us to run to Him when we fall. Because we do. He wants us to stay close to Him and to read His Word and to apply His Word so that we don't practice lawlessness. So whether it's lying, anger, sexual immorality, the list goes on, we can apply God's word. So first take every thought captive to Christ. And if we can stop it there, then our temptation won't turn into wrong action. And how much easier is it to take each thought captive to Christ if we are continually in his word, abiding in him in unbroken fellowship? But Mike, it's impossible to live a sinless life this side of heaven yeah, I know. Don't ask me how I know that. First uh, John 1, 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Well, his word is in us, and the more we put his word in us, the more that we're going to realize this, you know, God wants us to run to him when we make mistakes, which we do all the time. But it keeps our hearts soft towards God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This speaks of our partnership with God. He loves us so much that he forgave us of of our sins, past, present, and future. He has created us for good works. He gives us gifts, talents, a purpose. And we take those and we give them back to him in service, abiding in him to receive his grace, his righteousness, and instructions so that we can bear much fruit for the glory of God. He's got it all worked out. (laughs) And for us to realize our part of the plan, that partnership, he doesn't need us. God doesn't need anything. He chooses to partner with us, and it's amazing. And so we benefit, and those around us us benefit, because nobody can live out your purpose except you. And so in order to do that, get close to God, Listen to him and uh, live out the purpose that he intended for you. That's going to be a blessing for you, and it's going to be a blessing to us. <laughs> so please do that, and I'll try my best as well. And as Yoda said, there is no try, only do, which is not in here, but you get the idea. All right. All right. So um, I want to end on that part of Scripture, John fifteen seven through 8. If you abide in me and my works abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified and you will bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. So as we get ready to close, by this, my Father is glorified. What does it mean to glorify the Father? And I duck, duck, goad that too. So to acknowledge the excellence of, to render homage, to magnify in worship, to adore, to magnify and worship, to adore. God has given us so much. And if you can hear my voice right now, online, podcast, here in the sanctuary, he has given so much more for you that he wants to show you how much he loves you, how important a real relationship with you is to him, a relationship that will bear much fruit. God will be glorified, his greatness magnified. So you will, so more will see their need for a Savior. So as he pours into you and you live out your purpose, you're going to be glorifying God, which is proclaiming God's goodness to the world around you. More people are going to want that. They're going to come into the kingdom. God's going to give them a purpose. They're going to live out their purpose, which is going to attract more people into the kingdom, which those people will start to live out their purpose, which will attract more people into the kingdom. You get the idea. That, you know, this whole thing started with 12 disciples, you know, Jesus picked 12 people. He said, okay, you guys, follow me. And then he had three that were sort of in the inner circle. But he started with 12. You know, we're descendants in, in faith of those 12 disciples. And so as we get more of God, as we live out our purpose in God, then more people around us are going to see God, want God, realize, and Holy Spirit's going to draw them. They're going to start living out their purpose. And what was that uh, shampoo commercial? and they'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. So that relationship with God is so important to him that he gave his son so that he could open that door, so that we could have a relationship with him. He doesn't need us. He wants us. He loves us with a passion. So if you're listening to me right now, and you would like to start that relationship with God right here and right now, I would like to pray with you. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus died for us, and on the third day rose again, that if we confess that with our mouth, believe it in our hearts, confess it with our mouth, we will be saved. Again, fire insurance, but that's just the starting point. That's when that relationship Starts, and you will be adopted into God's forever family. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and for your friendship that you, valued, that you valued relationship with us so much that you sent your son Jesus to do what we could not do. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit, that he lived a sinless life, that he willingly gave up that life as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. And on the third day, rose from the dead, demonstrating his power over death. Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for saving me and adopting me into your family and for calling me friend. And Lord, for those of us that are already in your family, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for every blessing that comes from above. And we thank you for this time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.